Father God, you already know about the war, and we're beginning to experience it at deeper levels than we could ever have imagined. But you are faithful to keep us, to bring us through it, to carry us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You are the Lord God, and we, pr- we declare and proclaim that your will be done on this earth, in and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven, that your kingdom come, your will be done, that we all have the courage to walk in your will and not in ours, uh, not in what we've thought was your will, but in the true revelation of your Holy Spirit, as you lead us into your way, your plan, your truth. Thank you, Jesus. You are the plan God brought to pass in bringing us salvation through your life, through your death. We thank you, Lord, for completing your task. We thank you that you're planning and preparing to come again soon. And we thank you, Father, that you'll prepare our hearts as we look for the second coming, the return of the King, Father God. We thank you, Jesus, for at this point, you have given us salvation. You've given us power to forgive, power to live, power to love, grace to endure. Father God, you've given us your word, your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us those things that we need to live godly in Christ Jesus and to live victoriously. We also bind the powers of darkness, the spirits of division, divisiveness, contention, offense, control, bitterness, all the schemes of the enemy that would try to bring division to your church, to your body, to your bride, to the body of Christ. We just come against those chattering, gossipy, uh, splintering, divisive conversations that have misled people and uh, drawn us away from the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the intentions of your gospel that we are to love one another. We thank you, Lord, that we take authority over those spirits, all of them, and if I've not named them, then they're also bound and, and, and named in this spirit of fear and contention. And thank you, Lord God, for the promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We have seen many weapons formed against all of us through our health, safety, in our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, our families, relationships, um, health issues, Uh, financial issues, everything. Satan has thrown everything he can at your people, Lord God. But you are a defense, you are a protection against those things because you are faithful to deliver us, to vindicate us, and to lead us into all truth and victory through your Holy Spirit. So we thank you now that you give us your wisdom as we discuss this very vast and entangled subject of offense and um, judging one another. So give us wisdom now, Father, in Jesus' name. And may we speak as the oracles of God. We bind every spirit of confusion, and we take authority over those things that would snatch these words and comprehension and understanding and revelation out of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Well, before we start, what are we talking about today? Well, (laughs) let's start out with Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then we'll see what we're talking about. Well, I think we're talking about offense. Yeah, offense is one one of the aspects of this. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. There are, as believers, God has given us a liberty, a freedom, mm-hmm. not to sin, but to overcome sin and to live for the Lord. But there are always things that are coming around trying to entangle us 
and bring us back into bondage. Mm-hmm. Right. We see that in the scriptures. A lot of the things that Paul wrote about, that Peter mm-hmm. wrote about, were, were teachings yeah. and attitudes and ideas, traditions that were coming around to bring people, bring divide. the people of God back into bondage Legalism, to divide religion. people mm-hmm. and to bring them into a place of judging and contention and unnecessary division. And bitter fruit. And, you know, as a matter of fact, this is such a pre- prevalent topic in the epistles <clears throat> that we find he talks, Paul talks about it in Corinthians, he talks about it in Colossians, he talks about it in Galatians, he talks about it in Romans. And it's, it's just like, it's kind of popping up everywhere into every one of these groups of people. He had to write kind of the same thing. It's a very vast topic with a lot of elements to it. Well, there's a whole issue that has had to be addressed here with that. And the principles that he gave us are, are so timely for even today, because today we live in, in our culture, in our world, uh, in, even among the, the church, in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and, and certainly in what's known as the church, but is simply a religious uh, organization, institution. But there are all these different opinions. Mm-hmm. There are traditions. Mm-hmm. There are practices. And then in the world, too, among All the believers in the world, there's division. a diversity of, mm-hmm. of cultures in our world, in, you know, in, in different cultures uh, where, where believers are, are living in our world. So mm-hmm. and I just want to review quickly here some of the issues that uh, Marjorie and I have seen over the years mm-hmm. that kind of lace through the body of Christ from time to time. Yeah. They're pretty much always there, but sometimes they different. Up. they pop up in different places. It's like, uh, well, that uh, women should have uh, head coverings in church. Um, some say, well, you should worship on Saturday or, or, or not, not on Sunday. Um, there's, you know, issues of, uh, home church versus campus church or eating uh, meats or, or eating meat or, or tattoos or beards or, Women being silent in the church, or wearing makeup, um, or, or wearing makeup, or or we should be obeying our political leaders no matter what they come up with, mm-hmm. um, and so the, the whole thing too of you know jewelry and keeping Jewish feasts, and clothing, uh, music, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and now it's you know do we do we uh, say Christmas, Merry Christmas, or Happy Holidays, or Happy Hanukkah? You know, the thing is, you know, I got to say something, honey, before we go into this much. We've been in pastoring this, in this pastoring business, not business, but occupation, uh, activity, whatever you want to call it. Over 50 years now. And, you know, the most, one of the most saddening and heart, disheartening of all of the things we've had to deal with is not the blatant sin, but this insidious little thing that creeps in called re- religion or legalism that tries to, to divide the house of God, the people of God, setting up a fence, getting us to judge one another, comparing ourselves to uh, one another. But let me just go to the root of this thing before we, we try to tackle all these little specifics because the p- specifics are little branches on the tree. It's an evil tree. You pluck out the root, then you got the whole thing. But the, the offense of the cross, really, it's, it's what's happening is people are trying to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross, the one and only thing needed to, to sanctify, to redeem, to address uh, the, and satisfy the law and get us set free from the, 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 the grip of death. 
was Jesus Christ, his blood shed on the cross. And anything you add to the cross or make mandatory as part of being a follower of Jesus Christ, in addition to accepting Jesus Christ and his blood is our righteousness, anything is you add, whether it's good works or proper behavior, or eating or not eating or whatever, is an insult to the cross because you're saying, okay, now we have to also have proper, perfect, correct doctrine. And there really is no such thing. There can be a perfect attitude towards God and God has reduced it down to love. All the law, he said, is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so for Jerry and I, it's really sad when we have to come back and address this issue again and again, even in people who are mature believers. And we understand right now that the the, the divisive spirits of debate are, are rampant in the world to divide and separate the human race from the human race to set us at odds with each other because Satan cannot fight us without using each other to fight us with. He cannot just do something without our permission, without our will. And so when we add something to the cross, we insult the cross and we also diminish the power of, of love and grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus, Jesus said, I come to bring a sword, okay? There's going to be divisions because of Christ. You know, the, it's, mm. not everybody's going to be hunky-dory, we love you because you love Jesus. No, there's going to be divisions because you stand for the truth, because you follow Christ. But what we're talking about is unnecessary divisions. The divisions, there's the um, divisions because of Christ, and then there's the divisions that the enemy brings in mm. to the body of Christ to bring unnecessary division and, and opinions mm-hmm. and traditions that just get people biting and devouring one another, accusing one another, and missing the point. judging one missing another, and point. totally missing the point. <laughs> the making, whole thing is this. The whole thing is to this. Distract, to is to distract and destroy, divide and destroy. The whole deal is to keep them. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is following Christ, making, making disciples, disciples Loving him, preaching the gospel, that's healing it. the sick, raising the that's, dead, casting that's out it. demons, and not because, all these yeah, rabbit trails and all this infighting. But anyway, back to the the problem. The root problem is not only does it bring an insult to the cross, but in adi- in trying to ad- add additions to it, but we are somehow persuaded that grace is not enough. It's too easy. Um, we think that we need to have laws and rules in order to make people be good and behave. So it's really reducing back down again to behavior versus being. And when you have all these rules and religious regulations and nobody can agree on what it is, shall we eat or shall we not eat? Should we drink or not drink? Do we eat meat or not meat? Um, whatever. All of these things become divisive and they are trying to control behavior not being. And and God addresses being. He says, you are made in my image. Act like me. You know, grace, they're afraid. Fear says grace is not going to promote good behavior. We still have to do, you know, uh, do other things to keep rules and commandments. Now we get, we understand God gave the law, the rules, the commandments, the feast days, uh, um, in the Old Testament as indicators, that was a, a format, a pattern, a template for the people to follow, to prove that and in, that they were God's people, to identify and distinguish them from the others. But now God says, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. And the new commandment is you, to love the, your neighbor as yourself. But, All the law, he says, is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor the, as and, yourself. And these right? feasts, you know, the Old Testament tabernacle, the tabernacle in the wilderness, the, uh, the, uh, the feasts, all of them that were established by God, 
some of the feasts were established by men and, and to became add to, became to add to it to become traditions. But the feasts that were spoken of by God uh, were, were to uh, identify Jesus. They were precursors, foreshadowings mm-hmm. of what Jesus Christ would fulfill. Okay, He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled satisfied it, completed satisfied it, it uh-huh. completed it, obeyed it perfectly. None of us can obey it perfectly. And if we come up with little rules that we try to say, well, we're going to try to you know, keep some of the Jewish feasts and, and do this and do that. And, and Paul said, if you, if you want to do the, you try to keep the whole law and you offend in one point, you're getting, uh, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Yeah. You're, you're, you're breaking, you're failing the whole thing. Right. So if you try to take a piece here and a piece there, yeah. then we, you know, uh, of that, then you have to go, we go up go back to offering bulls and goats on the altars with Eventually, blood and stuff yes. again. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, it gets to be ridiculous. Well, it's legalism, it's law, and the devil knows where it leads yes. to. It leads to death. And in First Corinthians, you know, we have one of the places Paul discusses this in chapter 8, um, he says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks, this is ch- verse 2 of 8, anyone, but anyone thinks he, that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world but, and that there is no other God but one. He says, but, you know, people are hung up, uh, trip up on this, because in that culture, in that day, they would offer the meat to their idol gods, and then they'd take it and sell it in the marketplace and make money off of it. And if you bought a, a roast out of that marketplace that wasn't kosher, um, then some thought, well, now you're you're eating the things that are offered to idols. Because participating on God's altar, when they offered as lamb or a sacrifice there, that meat was um, sometimes also a- eaten by the priests or whoever, and it was then, up there. that's how they partook took of the altar of the sacrifice. So Paul is saying, you know, but, but these things are nothing, he says. But So he was saying, we're making something here out of nothing. And of course, it was part of what their culture had told them and taught them. So he had to teach them on it. Well, how, part of, yeah, part of that. He says in verse, verse yeah. 8, he says, But food it does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we better, nor if we do not eat are we worse. So he's saying it doesn't. It's a wash. It doesn't matter. If you eat your food, eat it as unto the Lord. Pray over it. Uh, that's why we, we sanctify it with grace. We say a word of grace and thanksgiving over it. That sanctifies it to the Lord God. And we don't have to be, make this a stumbling block because it can be a stumbling block. And then Paul says, well, we don't want to put those stumbling blocks in front of our brother. But the problem is there are so many stumbling blocks that if I have to be offended or be careful of offending everybody for every opinion they have and everything they think and maybe wrong thinking, but somehow I have to not be an offense to them, then I'm not going to be able to speak to them the truth about what really does matter. So if people are offended that you are, you know, um, and I think the most recent event would be probably Christmas, Merry Christmas, putting up a Christmas tree or not to Christmas or not to Christmas. By the way, if you want to check out my um, liferecovery.com blog on to Christmas or not to Christmas, it's in my blog section, uh, wrote it several years ago, three parts. I think that'd be worth your checking it out, liferecovery.com, to Christmas or not to Christmas. But uh, we have to we have to understand that there is, a, there is what God's will is that we love and forgive one another. Well, yeah. Here, and walk in that love. Yeah, right. This is the whole thing. Because we're not it, trying to offend. No, we're not trying to offend. And, and the thing but is our first answer is to God. 
My first answer is to God. The thing is, you can't get by, you and I can't get by with offending somebody because right now the spirit of offense is strong on the earth. Yeah, it, it is. seems like everybody mm-hmm. is offended about everything, one thing or another. Yeah. We're offended by this. We're offended by this. We protest this. We protest yeah. that. How can we make everybody happy? We can't be every it, color it, of it skin, doesn't for work, example. But the thing is, <laughs> Not a too, we have to be sensitive to one another. In other words, loving somebody has to take precedence over my personal liberty. But it's it's a it's a touchy thing to walk through. But, but he yeah, says, Paul is. says in First Corinthians ten twenty three, all yep. things are lawful yep. for me. But not all things are helpful. Mm-hmm. All things are lawful for, to me, but all things do not edify. So there are things that he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to do certain things right. because they're not good for me. They're not good for the body of Christ. So this is what, this is, this is what it has. You have to go by what the Word of God says, Does number one. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then what the Spirit of God is saying. Is this good for me? Is this going to help me grow in Christ? Is this going to help my brother, my sister mm-hmm. grow in Christ, uh, be built up in Christ? That's what you have to look at, first of all. And uh, and I think some of the younger ones are still hung up on rules and regulations and traditions and things. And so he's saying here, um, yeah, I can get by with this. This is not a big deal. I understand that the meat is the meat and it's not offered to idol. And, I've, and, I'm, and I'm okay with it. And God, I know you're okay with it. But somebody else may see me eating this meat and be uh, offended. Either I need to stop and explain it to them and help them understand it um, and, and, and or just be sensitive to it. So there's a lot of things that you have chosen to do or not do according to how you follow Jesus. For example, I have chosen not to drink wine or uh, intoxicating beverages. Why? Because it's it, to me, it's, I mean, I can drink wine if I want to. It's not a law. God says, thou shalt not drink it. But at the same time, I'm not going to drink it because to me, if I'm a pastor's wife, it would look like it could be a stumbling block to many who are addicted and struggling to quit using. And so to me, that's just a choice I'm making uh, to edify and to build up and encourage other people, although it is okay for me to do it, I believe, but I'm not going to do it. So therefore, it's not okay for me to do it because it would be unedifying as far as that's one example. And I'm sure there's many examples. Uh, for example, some people still, you know, they eat pork. Some people don't eat pork. I believe we can eat all the meats now, whether it's shrimp, pork, lobster, whatever it is that were identified as unclean in the Old Testament because God gave the vision to Peter. Don't call anything unclean that I've cleansed. And well, so, but there's still, you know, there's, there's still some, some foods, some things that we should not eat because it's just well, not healthy for us. Well, probably there's lots of foods like that. But anyway, yeah. so these kinds of things are not the, the basis for the cross and, and God doesn't want them to be a stumbling block. He doesn't want them to get in the way of, of you know, what is the real message here. And even in the book of Acts, and I think it was what chapter 15 or something, they had this big council meeting and, and were we going to be circumcised or uncircumcised? This was the big that issue was the back big in the day. Issue back then. Because you had the Jews colliding with the Gentiles and the Gentiles weren't circumcised. The Jews insisted you had to be circumcised to be right. in God's family. And so when they went to, to, uh, to um, Jerusalem, actually, and, and hashed it all out for about three, four, five days, they came up with three or four things that were uh, the most important things, and none of them had to do with circumcision. They had to do with uh, uh, giving offerings to the poor, helping the poor, not eating meat with the blood in it, and uh, keeping ourselves from sexual immorality, those three or four things, helping the poor. So it wasn't like uh, those, those were the basics, and, the, and godly, you know, love your brother, 
uh, understand where they're going, what they need, be sensitive to their hearts and minds, not try to correct their behavior. We are not the behavior correctors. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. We are here to bring an example and to edify through that example. Well, we have to bring out the truth. You know, the thing, the truth is, as offensive, some people don't have the truth. They don't want the truth. They get, they don't recognize the truth when they see it. It's it's important that we bring out the truth. We bring it out in love. And here it says in First Corinthians ten, thirty one. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, yeah. do all to the glory of God. That's the principle. You know what what you what you're doing personally, what you allow personally in your life, in your home, in your family. Uh, is it for the glory of God? Well, and Paul said in, in, in the next verse, he says, um, give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greek or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So he says to some, to the Jew, he becomes a Jew, to the Greek, he becomes a Greek, he becomes all things to all men that he might by all means save some. That, That's that, a different thing because there you're right. using your... You're, you're using sensitivities to understand, to edify, to bring that person out of the place where they are. You go there to meet them, not expect them to come and step into where you are. And and so we have wisdom and counsel to be sensitive to people and help them understand. And this is love. When you take the time to know someone, you take the time to understand what they're struggling with. And, and you know, knowledge puffs up. There's a lot of people who have knowledge of deep, deep things, and it's actually entangling them and, and moving them away from the simplicity of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, and to love one another. And, yeah, and the whole thing is that does not mean, when you become all things to all men, it doesn't mean that you're wishy-washy and you just go along with what everybody is doing, what everybody wants. It's not means you you please men, but you're not a man well, pleaser. You know, In other words, you... You understand. In other words, you understand. You 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 look to understand where people are coming from. Okay, uh, people that are dealing with uh, addiction issues, people that are Jews, people that are uh, in a, in a, a traditional, a formal uh, church setting. Uh, people are in different settings, different cultures, different mindsets. So you're identifying with them reaching into their lives, understanding them, in a sense, talking their language to bring them to the place of truth and trusting in Jesus Christ. Well, you know, and, and in Galatians, Galatians, uh, there's this issue of Paul is scolding them, actually. He says, who bewitched you? You began in the spirit. Now you're going to be perfected in the flesh and in walking out these um, do's and don'ts, going back to religion and law and legalism. He was, you know, does, is that what's going to bring you miracles? Is that what's going to bring you salvation and healing in the, in the presence of God? Um, yeah. So is it works or, or the spirit uh, that works miracles in us? Or is it the works of the law by the hearing of faith? So when we first got saved, we were in a very, very religious, uh, legalistic, uh, Pentecostal type of church. And it was a struggle because it, it, it just wasn't, you know, one time, I'll give you this example, comes to my mind right now, so sad. But we were very young in the Lord, and we didn't know the Word of God very well, so we were just eating up what we were set before us. And one Sunday morning, this was a very legalistic church, and they didn't permit women to wear men's apparel, which was defined as pantsuits and anything else that was, you know, like slacks or jeans or anything. So one morning after the Sunday service, I, I was still hanging out in the area, and I saw the pastor... Um, speaking to two ladies who had just visited the church that morning for the first time. And one had an orange pantsuit on, one had a polyester green pantsuit on. And of course, 
um, she was correcting them and scolding them at the front door saying, this is not how we dress. And I thought to myself, oh, oh, how terrible. I was shocked. I was sad. I was mad. How is this helping to help these ladies find Jesus? Um, Mm -hmm. Because there was no indication that they were saved. They were curious and seekers. But, um, you know, on the other hand, we don't want to be flipping uh, seeker sensitive to every little thing that to make everybody feel comfortable all the time. So on this, this legalism thing, this law thing, there's a heads and a tails. And there's two sides to everything. Jesus said, you know, at some point, go the second mile and turn the other cheek. And on the other side of that coin, he says, shake the dust off and don't even eat with them. So it's, you know, when you go with the law, legalism stuff, you're always going to be in this either or kind of situation. And the Lord destroyed that when he said, it's all about love. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so in Galatians, again, after he talks about three, he goes on into five, which we already read. Stand fast in the liberty, you know, with which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with what those yoke of bondage. What is that? These, these disputes and uh, discussions about things that only divide and bring contention. They're not, they, the fruit, Jesus said, by the fruit, by their fruits, you shall know them. This is so, such a key understanding of this and every other element and concept by its fruit. What is the fruit it's bringing forth? Is it addressing, um, you know, uh, is it bringing forth edification or confusion, division, uh, you know, consternation, whatever? Or is it bringing forth uh, a desire in that other person to actually be more more like Jesus, to allow the, 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 the life of Jesus, Spirit of God within them to come out? And in Romans 14, we have another issue where we're taking on the job of God by judging and by uh, his servants. I mean, these are his servants whose own master they stand or fall. It says, and so when we're judging people, and I'm not saying sometimes we think we're doing it for the sake of God or the sake of the church. He says in Romans 14, 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things or doubtful disputations, old King James says. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Well, we have lots of vegetarians. We have lots of vegans. We have lots of uh, believers that are vegans and vegetarians. Um, Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So God has received them both where they're at. God is working with them. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Who do we belong to? We belong to the Lord. We are his servants. To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now, this is how I kind of reduce it down. Okay, I have to answer to God first. He is my master. I follow him. He is my Lord. He is able to teach me, instruct me. If he, and he will, and he does, and he has. Bring to your mind as you go along in the Lord that this is not okay. You know, of course, joking is not okay. Using the name of the Lord in vain, obviously, is not okay. Um, you know, some other things that we do, we get refined as we go and walk along with Jesus because it's not, it's not okay anymore. Maybe I did that in my earlier days of salvation, but now I don't do that anymore because the Holy Spirit is refining us and making us more like Jesus. He, is, he, is, he says in verse 5, one person esteems one day alone, uh, I mean above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. So if you believe it's sin, then to you it's sin. If, you're not, if it's not a big deal, then you're not convicted by it. If you're following the Lord and the Holy Spirit's working inside of you, then follow him, be at peace, and let him instruct you. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. 
He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. And others were always all hanging out together in this thing, and we, you know, there's lots of times we can be offended and upset. I, but the Bible says, blessed is he who's not offended, so why would I be offended by what you're doing? Now, if you're doing something that is going to be a sin unto death, that is going to get you in so much trouble that you may end up losing your salvation if you even had it at that point, and go to hell, then that is something that I will have to bring to your attention. That's what the Bible does. It's for edification, for correcting, for correction, for uh, steering us clear in the things of God. But again, if it's causing division and, edif- and offense, it is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. It says in verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So our fruit that we're looking for in all these things is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what happens, to, too, there's a deception there. So we think if we do everything, we want to do everything for the glory of God. Does this glorify God? Does this bring honor to God and encouragement and, and truth and love and blessing to other people? But what happens is that sometimes people think, though, well, I'm really honoring God because I'm keeping this day and not that day. Uh, I, I'm doing this tradition and not, not this tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, so what happens is that you, you get to be hypocrites is what you do. Well, it's, it you becomes to, impossible. You, you, yeah, you, get, you think you're honoring God. I mean, people think, some people think you're honoring, others, yeah. honoring God by not eating meat on Friday. That used to be okay. the deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the deal. Well, you know, or you're honoring God because you use his name a certain way. Um, you're honoring God because you um, keep this holiday but don't keep that holiday or whatever. And so there's a deception there too. But yeah. in your heart, you know, what really what really matters? Are you, are you really honoring God? Are you loving your brother? Does, does God really want you by your uh, opinion and ideas and tradition is that really honoring god you know so you have to really look well, at that who, who is i mean is god is god really pleased with it what is he really looking for yeah, here's what? the deal this is why jesus came mm-hmm. this is why jesus came because we people thought the pharisees and scribes were convinced beyond measure that they were honoring God with their mm-hmm. little religious legalistic mm-hmm. religious traditions, and they were justified they, themselves. They, they were they thought they were honoring God more than anybody else, mm-hmm. and they were missing what God really wanted because more than anybody else. And that's why Jesus came. Part of the reason Jesus came was to correct right. that sort of thinking, and that's why they got to so give upset. them to give them the true meaning of what God is looking for. Um, yeah. You know, to, in, in, was it, is it Micah says it's to do justly and to love mercy, mercy. and to walk humbly, humbly with, with your God. God. That's yeah. what pleases God. He doesn't yeah. need a whole bunch of, you know, sacrifices and rivers of oil. He said to do justly, <laughs> yeah. to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus said you, you know, you're, you're to the Pharisees, he says you, you're, you're uh, straining a gnat. You're and straining swallowing. a gnat out of your soup, and lest you should defy yourself. And in the meantime, mm-hmm. you're swallowing a camel. Mm-hmm. Some little picky thing you're doing that is you think is so holy, but you're totally missing the point 
as to what God really wants. Yeah, and in Colossians, there's another reference Paul is saying in chapter 2, for we want you to know what great conflict we have had for you and for those who are in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen us in the, our, my face in the flesh, um, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. And what, what that's the goal, to be knit together in love and courage and strength, letting and allowing each member of the body to present and, and, and what they do, uh, allowing them edifying and being edified by others. Um, but he's saying, um, you know, don't let people persuade you uh, with their philosophies, um, but he wants us to be rooted and grounded and built up and established in the faith that we have been taught. Beware, he says in verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. We are complete in the cross and in the, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. All of these other things are God's working in us to make us more like Jesus. God, you know, it, it's not about behavior. It's about being. And as your being is allowed to love uh, God, love one another, and do what the Lord Jesus said to do, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, preach the gospel, etc., make disciples, we will be following in his spirit, and his spirit will be pleased with us. Um, he sa- And then he talks about being circumcised. He says, in him you were also circumcised with an, a circumcision made without hands. Um, so he's saying there's a spiritual circumcision of the heart uh, that is much far more superior to being circumcised in the flesh. Uh, then he talks about being buried with him in baptism, participating with him in his death on the cross. Um, we're, we're, you know, uh, and then he says, having he, God, Jesus dying, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which were contrary to us. This is Colossians 2.14. And he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. All these offenses, all these mandates, all of these requirements, uh, he has nailed to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. The principalities and powers were using these things, trivial things, to make big issues, big rifts, uh, demonic breakdowns, divisions in the people. Um, and he, Jesus smashed them. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them, over them in it. Therefore, Therefore, because he did this, because he beat the devil, he knocked out the principalities. He says, therefore, let no one judge you in food or drink in regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. You know, whether we say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, or we, uh, you know, don't celebrate Christmas at all. It, it, no one judge you, which are simply a shadow of things that are to come, but they're the substances of Christ. Let no one defraud you of your reward, taking delight in false humility, or worshiping of angels, or intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, or thinking he's better than someone else because he's doing so many better things, and, uh, not, but, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with increase, which is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why do you, though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations like do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns things which shall perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Why do you do that? He says, he says these things indeed have a, a, a look, an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. They look holy, they look, you know, whatever, but, and false humility but they, and the neglect of the body, but are of no value in the, indulge, in the uh, against the indulgences of the flesh. So in other words, doing all these things doesn't protect you from walking in the flesh. And so, so going back to the kind of summing this up, 
the most important thing is that we have uh, walked in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead. You just read there um, in Colossians about self-imposed religion. That is a that was a great danger. And it still it remains is. a great mm-hmm. danger mm-hmm. here today. But the point of this is self-imposed religion. We don't want that. God doesn't want that. Yes, we don't want to Paul, make our own versions Paul, of religion. Paul, Peter, warned against that. Jesus hit that right in the face. But here's the issue. Uh, Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Galatians um, sums it up too. He says, um, all the law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so, Father, we thank you for um, steering us clear of these... uh, uh, these, um, Snags. Yeah. Religious snags. Icebergs, you know, Mm -hmm. as the ship sails through the, the cold oceans of life. Father, that you would cause us to know it's not about behavior, it's about abiding in your spirit, and your spirit does the work in us, that we can rest in that fullness, we can be at peace, that our liberty is a gift from you, that we don't misuse, but we tre- treasure and cherish and protect by walking in, in, in your goodness and in your fullness, and know that we answer to you, Lord God, even though, I mean, many people can be offended by many things, and there's an endless list of things people can be upset about that we do or don't do, you know, so we we can't please them. We please you and seek through that that you will deliver us from the offenses and the snares and the accusations of others and that by our good conduct they will see and glorify the God of heaven. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities here. We thank you, Lord God, for what uh, you have given us. We thank you for grace, peace. Thank, thank you for mercy and the fruits of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, check us out at liferecovery.com. Um, there's lots of uh, edifying stuff there. A case for justice would be a good one to read this winter. It's kind of incredibly um, thorough. A case for justice. Why, if God is so good, does he let bad things happen to good people? Um, and all kinds of questions about why did God let this happen and that happen and the curses and the whatever. It just kind of takes a whole lot of it and looks at it. It's very, very edifying, very good. A case for justice. God bless you guys. See you in the new year. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.